I ask God that you will let me decrease. Except as your mouthpiece, I want nothing else to hinder the flow of your spirit, Lord. Put me in the shadow and let the voice that speaks be your voice using this frail body as an ambassador to proclaim your word this morning. Father, your word is already blessed. I need the sanctifying. My mind needs the touch as I deliver what is already sanctified and blessed. Father, we thank you for the safety that you've kept us in that we have had no tragedies in our church, no corona tragedies, no financial crashes that caused the abyss of depression, but we've seen everything that has come to us as a test. And we commit to standing firm in the face of every test and trusting you as our only hope. We give you glory and honor and praise. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless God. Hallelujah. If you would, thank you, worship team. Jordan and Josh and Mark and Fredo, love you all. And every member of our worship team, thank you, Sister Angela, for that awesome, awesome song. Would you guys give God a hand for the quality of worship that he has given us? Hallelujah. I have listened quite intently over a season to the quality of praise and worship that is produced on our platform and compared it to what is reproduced on the airways. And someone else might be absolutely excited and joyful, and I am happy, but there's still more. We can't get better. My dream is to have everything that is almost everything, the live worship, uh, you guys that are not here, you cannot, it's very hard to, to reproduce the spirit and presence of being together in the sanctuary. But we will continue to try uh, as hard as we can. There's some things that we will be implementing uh, that in a, 
pandemic, both physical and economic, uh, some of my friends would say is not wise, shouldn't do it, but uh, I see it as a mandate. I prayed about it. We will continue to upgrade. We're going to upgrade our uh, video. It's going to cost again, and I'm asking that each of you pray, both online and in the auditorium, uh, that sees the value of improving what is produced on the outside for those who are looking on and listening uh, to commit to give something to the upgrades. We are going to install uh, three new cameras, uh, 4K and 6K, so the video you see online will be greatly improved in the next uh, month. We uh, want to do some things on the audio that will put us a lot closer to reproducing what is heard here online. And so please pray about that as we endeavor to commit God's funds that you have graciously given uh, to be wisely used to expand the kingdom in this way. As you know, I have... Uh, Pastor Ron and Miss Judy and all of the leaders have done great during the two weeks that I was away on vacation. Didn't get any complaints. Uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Didn't come back to any crashes, any trifles, any backbiting or fussing. Came back to a healthy, breathing church. And that is the most exciting, most pleasant thing for any pastor. Uh, if you can, thank God for our leaders. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Even while I was on vacation, as you know, I've been considering everything that I've shared over the last uh, two months or so. And if you have not heard the messages on uh, purpose is looking for you. I suggest that you listen to that series. After that, uh, God directed me to connect purpose with milestones in that it's almost impossible. Many of us as believers spend our entire life going back and forth across milestones. We don't ever touch it. We pass it this way, then we come back and pass it the other way, and we spend our whole lives going back and forth over our milestone, I mean over our purpose, sorry, because we did not take the time to examine and document the milestones that should get us to purpose. Every milestone in your life, good or bad, painful or happy, sad or indifferent, whatever it is, there needs to be a documentation. There needs to be some kind of a written, some kind, something that causes you to remember details even after your mind begins to fail. The reason for that is that uh, your purpose, I believe purpose has two, two, way, two things about it. Purpose, uh, God gives you a purpose in your life. It's connected to your gifting. 
and you need to find out what your gifting is so that you understand what your, your, your arching purpose is for in life. What is your overarching purpose? What has God called me for? Am I a good singer? Uh, am I good in, with media? Am I good with, with making people laugh? Am I good with giving encouraging words? What, what are, am I good with cooking food? Uh, what, are, what, what are you good at as a person? Overarching purpose, it comes connected to gifting. So purpose is also lifelong. God gives you a purpose for your life. But within that, that life purpose, he also gives seasonal purposes. So you've got your life purpose, but within your life purpose, in different seasons of your life, he will give you stuff, information, push, encouragement, direction, rhema word, that will tell you in this season, God is purposing for me to do this. It is important that we find out both of those things. Many of us don't know what our purpose is, our overarching purpose. We don't know what, we've never sat down and, and, and dug into what is my life's purpose. You're behind the eight ball. But God can still help because he has something on the table for you to do that still needs doing. As I've been away and seeking God's face, just laying out and just relaxing, I kept coming back to one thought in my mind, Lord, I'm ready for more. I don't want to leave the assembly, go on vacation, and come back the same way. If you, here's why I prayed that prayer. Because as I looked at the life of Israel, Sister Judy, it, 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 was, it just struck me as I was on vacation that when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he kept saying to Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. Give them their freedom. Give them their vacation. But it was not a freedom to do whatever they want to do. So even as I am on vacation, it's not vacation just to think whatever my, my beast. Remember Pastor Ed talked about that? That it's not the sin outside, it's the beast within that you got to control. That you have got to keep under the blood of Jesus and pound. Paul said, I beat my body into subject. I buffet my flesh. My mind, my emotions will not take the better of me. Because God has my mind. God has my, my, my emotions. And so as I sat there relaxing, I kept saying, I'm ready for more, Lord. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. Lord, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. And about the fourth day after saying that in my mind as I'm going around shopping, hanging out with Bishop Williams and, you know, meeting different ones and just having a good time, it was as if God got really upset with me, Pastor. Probably not upset. That wouldn't be a good word. He just got tired of me asking, I'm ready for more. And he came right back at me and hit me right in the center of my forehead and said, 
How ready are you? I was floored because instead of thinking about how much, what I could get from God to make me more ready, <laughs> he put it back on me as if to say, I've always been ready. I've never been not ready. I don't slumber. I don't sleep. I don't need rest. I don't need people to confer with me to find out what is wisest to be done. I'm God. I don't need to get ready. How ready are you? And began to dig into that. And so this message today comes out of a little bit of what God is still taking me through. And that is, how ready are you? Look with me at the book of Matthew, chapter 8. I lost my regular glasses. Well, not lost it. I ran over them with the, with the vehicle. And uh, these are my secondary. They're made for long-distance driving. So I could, it helps me to see way ahead. But my trend, it's not transition. So when I look down, everything is blurred. So you'll see me doing the opposite of Pastor Richard. Instead of putting them on when I read, I take them off when I read. We're the opposite, you know. He puts his on when he reads. I have to take mine off when I read. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, or Capernaum, or Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. By the way, that word, Capernaum or Capernaum or Capernaum, means uh, <laughs> chaos and disorder. <laughs> I tell you, God has got a, he's just got an unbelievable sense of humor. So Jesus enters chaos and disorder. And the centurion came to him, pleading with him. I want you to get that word. Pleading with him. Begging him. Saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed with tormenting pain. Or my servant is sitting at home, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. Verses 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me, 
And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, most assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. My goodness. And I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many like, like this guy is what he's saying. Many that you don't think are going to make it and have a big old crown on their head. Many that, that by your standards and my standards should never make it in. And you will look up in heaven and they're sitting two rows ahead of you. I believe God brought me back with this today to set you up for more. We are in a season of lack, a place of pandemic, a place of pain and hurt, a place of losing and loss. But God has called me today to tell you I'm, <clears throat> I'm setting you up for more. Look at the person next to you and tell them, God has sent you up for more. It's based on this assignment that the message is, how ready are you? In the preceding chapter, the chapter just before, uh, the chapter that we wrote, we, we've read, so that would be chapter 7, don't go to it. Don't go to it. Jesus is coming down after teaching a great multitude on the hillside. He's outside of Capernaum. And he leaves them astonished and dumbfounded at how he explains what it means to be a true Christ follower. They're dumbfounded. They're astonished. He's just finished teaching that to a multitude. He comes down and momentum carries as they follow him down the mountain. And at this point, Jesus is first approached by a man saturated with leprosy who bows down and worships him crying. And he said, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, you can heal me. And Jesus simply replies, I'm willing, and heals him. But he doesn't stop. He heals him and continues walking. He never stops. 
Look at this. I want you to see the picture. He's ministered to the people on the hillside. He's got them excited about the kingdom of God and following Jesus in the right way. He's coming down towards Capernaum. And as he's going between the hills and Capernaum, there comes a leper, bows down before him, worships him and says, if you are willing, I know you could heal me. And Jesus said, I'm willing, go ahead, be healed, and continues walking. Hmm. I'm willing, he continues to Capernaum. I'd like us to dig into a little bit of this. This is, this is taking a little bit of, of momentum. I want you to get the picture. I want us to dig in for just a few moments into uh, culture and context of this whole passage here and this story of the centurion. Here we have a centurion, a leader of the invading Roman Empire. They're not native to where they are. He wasn't born in Capernaum. He's sent down from Rome because they have conquered this area. And he is a man of authority, sent down by Rome, the conquering army, to keep the peace over the people they've conquered. I want you to see this. This man is a Roman military officer. A centurion, meaning that he has at least a hundred men under his command. In the U.S. military terms, we would call him the company commander. If you ever hear that in military terms, he's the company commander with between 100 and 250 soldiers under his command. That's in the U.S. Army. His direct supervision, usually carrying the rank of at least captain. We're talking where you are right now, in America. This would be a captain in the U.S. Army with at least one to 250 soldiers directly under his authority. And he says, most assuredly, I know about authority. But even in addition to that, because we know he's a Roman, he's also a Gentile. He's got a lot stacked up against him. He's a general, I mean a captain, over 200, 102 to 250 soldiers. He's in a place that he's not native to, sent there to keep the peace and to impose the rules and regulations and laws of Rome on a foreign land. I don't see him being liked a lot. Hmm. He's a non-Jew and not just a Gentile. He's a captain, and he comes, I want you to see this, pleading to Jesus. He comes begging help on behalf of his servant, who is almost 
a slave laborer. I want you to get this picture. This guy is a guy who is standing in authority, knows authority, practices authority. He's a foreign national. He's there to keep the peace and subject the folks living there to the rules of the invading army. He has a servant that he shouldn't care about. <laughs> I got all of this to my disposal. And it says that he comes to Jesus, mother, not just asking. He did not come as a captain. Well, you know who I am. I heard that you worked some miracles. I heard that you're the guy to talk to. I got somebody at the house that's sick. Uh-uh. It says he comes pleading. He comes bowing his head to Jesus. As a captain, as a Gentile, he comes submitting himself and saying, my servant, who to him is but a slave laborer, and he is begging Jesus to help his servant. There is so much dichotomy there that it almost blows your mind, Jordan. Nothing in this story is normal. Nothing fits like you would expect it to fit. My servant, he said, is paralyzed with intense, terrible, tormenting pain. Here's the first question I have for you, because God said to me the same thing. If you're ready for more, if you are ready for more this morning, how ready are you? Question one, are you ready for a new level of humility and caring for others? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is a tough time. You're listening to me online. This is a tough time to ask anybody to care some more for about for someone else, especially if they're on the other side of the aisle. In our country right now, you are almost a mocking stock. If you are looked at and asked to be genuinely kind, to humble yourself in a situation and show caring, true, godly, spirit-filled caring to somebody if they're on the other side of the aisle. Can I tell you, it's not of God. I don't care what anyone tells you. If you are a Christ follower or you call yourself a believer in Christ, and you get a little lump coming up in your chest. You get a little hard to swallow moment when there's an opportunity to be kind. And even more than that, to humble yourself and put yourself in second place behind somebody that's on the opposite side of the aisle. Jesus is talking to you.
What causes quarrels? This is what James, the book of James, write it down. The book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. This is what Paul is talking, James is talking about. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, oh my gosh, are warring within you? Is it not this, that your passions are warring within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You commit, covet, and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel and do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrong to spend it on your own passions. I'm not going to try to explain this. If you want a better explanation, read it in the Message Bible. And I'm telling you, it will slap you around. It will slap you around because this passage is talking to the mentality that is divisive, that is pulling us apart, that is, that is tearing our country apart, and, and Christians are at the forefront of the line. If God had a paddle and he was about to swing it, Christians will be the first ones he hits down. It's not a politician. It's not the adulterer out there that says, I'm an unsafe person and I don't care. It's you and I. That's what James is talking to right here. Verse 4, you adulterers, adulterous people, you do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do not, do you suppose it is of, uh, to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that, that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, says God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, favor. You could not earn to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. This man put himself in a position of humility. And he did not do it to impress anyone. He's a captain. He is put in that position in a foreign land with no worries about someone challenging him 
because they have already conquered the people he's over. And yet, something stirs up, some, some part of God's nature stirs up within him as a Gentile. And he goes to Jesus in complete humility, bowing down, giving God worship, and says, would you please heal my servant? Are you ready for new levels of humility and caring for others? Because if you're ready for more, I believe that's one of the first things God is asking you for. Seven, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humbling yourself is painful. Humbling yourself is painful. Humbling yourself is painful. Humbling yourself is painful. But the passage we just read said, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you in ways that you could not anticipate. Question number two that comes from our story. Are you ready to believe for more? Are you ready to believe God for more? Here's the catch. To believe for more, you must be able to stand on what God's word says about himself and about you. Let me say that again. If you want more, need more, are crying to God for more, you and I must be able to stand on the word of God. You've got to believe everything in the book. You've got to believe what, about what God says about himself. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I'm the first and the last, I'm the beginning and the end. I hold all things in my hand. I am responsible. Even when it looks chaotic, I have got my eyes on it. There's nothing that is out of my eyesight. I don't sleep or slumber when it looks like your family is falling to pot, your relationship's falling to pot, your job is about to be de uh, uh, demolished and taken away, and you don't have anywhere to go. God says, I have my eye on you. As a matter of fact, I don't just have my eye on you, you are the apple of my eye. You've got to be able to stand on the word of God if you're gonna believe for more. And you've also got to believe what God said about you. It don't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter how, how you messed up yesterday or last week and you feel, I mean the adversary's job is to look you over and, and watch you like a hawk until you mess up because he can't do anything before that point. As soon as you mess up, he comes right in. I told you you were sorry. I told you you, were, you wouldn't make it. I told you you weren't a real Christian. I told you, you don't need to be in church. You don't need to commit to this God stuff. You need to just be an atheist. You, not, you just need to go try some other kind of Buddha or some other kind of religion or don't think about it at all because you can't do it right. 
can I tell you, you and I are exactly the people God, Jesus came for? He said, I did not come to bring the righteous. <laughs> I did not come to, to, to touch and, and coddle and, 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 and renew those that are, that are perfect. I came looking for the guy who messes up every day. I came looking for the, the woman who just can't get it right for two years. You've been trying. You came to God 70 times 7 and still you've been going out and somehow one week, two weeks, three weeks, a month you held out, six and all of a sudden, bam, it hits you again. God says, I came for you. I've come for you. My daughter, my son, I've come for you. You couldn't mess up bad enough for me to walk away from you. Hasha. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. I couldn't mess up bad enough for God to walk away from me. Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I believe what you said about me. Woo! Say that to somebody. Tell somebody online, wherever you are, tell them, I believe what God said about me. I'm the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. I believe what God said about me. He is able to keep me, not just from falling, but keep me after I fall. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. You've got to believe God's word about himself and about you. This word is his voice. His voice. Look at verses 6 through uh, 7 and 8 of our passage. Verses 7 and 8 says, <laughs> And Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answers and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come onto my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. Speak a word and my servant. You know what? Sounds like he heard about all that Jesus had already done along the way. For him to be saying this, it's got to be that word came down the line. He, got, he had to have heard of what Jesus was doing already. He's got this whole multitude following him. He's been touching and transforming people. On the way to Capernaum, they run into a guy that is leprous, and Jesus doesn't even think about it. He said, God, God said, oh, well, you know, if, if, if you would heal me, you know, I know you could. Jesus said, uh, I don't, really don't have time to talk, but, but be healed, and just kept walking. I'm sure he heard about it. John 10, 25 through 27, listen to this. Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep hear Hear my voice. My sheep don't follow oh, if they could only see me. My sheep don't wait until they see everything materialize. My sheep don't depend on me appearing to them in a vision or someone prophesying to them or somebody telling them about a dream they have for them. My sheep don't depend.
depend on none of that stuff. My sheep hear my voice. Pastor Ron talked about it. Jordan talked about it in our Wednesday night's Bible study. study. My sheep hear my voice. That's it. This guy hears about what Jesus did. And based, upon what, based on what he heard Jesus did, he stands on that. He stands on what he heard Jesus did. And when he comes to Jesus, he says, Lord, he's a Gentile, guys. He's a Roman. Romans don't call anyone Lord, but they're Caesar. He heard at this point in his spirit, God was already bearing witness that this man, Jesus, is way above Caesar. Are you here this morning and your Caesar is standing on the same platform with Jesus? Are you here this morning and you've got a little Caesar in your life that is standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with the God of all gods? If you do, you are the one that put him there. You are the one who brought your God, Shahadam, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last. He knows the future and he knows the history. He knows everything that ever was, and you have just brought him down to little Caesar. This man was a centurion, Gentile, and a Roman of that, and he dared to believe that whatever he heard about Jesus, I could stand on it. Are you going to stand on what God said, or are you going to test it through somebody else's lens? Are you going to be a hearsayer? Are you going to depend on the hearsay of she said and he said? Or are you going to go to the word? Are you going to listen to somebody who said, I tried that Christian thing. I tried to walk, walk holy, but you know, that's impossible, child. I, I don't know what they're talking about. Anyone that speaks to you like that has not been filled with the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus himself said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send somebody who's going to help you do what you need to do. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said to him, if thou canst believe, all things are miracle, all things are possible. It's Mark 9, 23. John 20, 28. Thomas answered, Lord, and my God, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you now believe. Blessed, happy, spiritually secured, favored are those who do not see yet believe. This man was walking in blessing as a Gentile, as a Roman officer, as a non-Jew, as a non-Christian. 
It doesn't say anything about him accepting Jesus as his personal savior, as opposed as somebody leading him to Christ. He just heard about Jesus and what Jesus did, and he said, I believe. Makes me tired, Pastor, that we go through and have to preach and pound it and stamp and get emotional and pray and do all this stuff, lay hands and anoint for people to believe. And here we have one guy that just heard. Jesus, help me to just hear and believe. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me. Help me. Who, who, who said it, Pastor? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but there's still more that I can go. There's still a deeper level. There's still a higher level of belief that I could go to. I just need to hear your voice, and I'll turn immediately. I don't need to go back and forth. You are God and God alone. Believe because you hear. He heard the voice. He heard what Jesus did and he stood on it. And he said, would you heal my servant? And I heard you did it already. Would you heal my servant? The last point, the last point as we go in, it's about five minutes after. Are you ready for God to stretch you for more? Are you ready for... Forgot to stretch you for more. We asked three questions. Are you ready to be more humble and more caring? If you're saying this morning that you are ready for more, he's saying ready for more means more humble, more caring. If you're asking God for more this morning, he's saying to you, are you ready to believe me more? In times past, you believe, but only after going through a bunch of rigmarole, arguing with God, going back and forth, he answers you and you go back and you think about it, then you come back to him and he, you, you have this hold me, loose me, pull me, tug me type of thing. God said, are you ready to move from there to just hear what I'm telling you and just believe? Number three, are you ready for him to stretch you? Because the more you ask for more, the more he will stretch you. As I've examined my own life, I've been disappointed and even blown away by many of the instances in my life of resistance to the stretch. <laughs> my body doesn't like it. Abby, my body doesn't like it. My mind doesn't like it. My emotions don't like it. When God puts a, his thumb on something and says, I'm about to stretch you, son. I got more for you, but I got to stretch you. I got to stretch you. Nothing about my phys physiology likes it. It fights it to to nail. But I'm determined to be like Paul the Apostle when he said, I will beat my body into subjection. I'm going to beat it into subjection. I'm going to buffet it until it obeys because I am looking for a greater reward than anything on the earth. 
You know what I'm talking about? The stuff God takes us through to bring us out, to bring out the shine. Is there something God is taking you through to bring the shine out of you? Is there something that God is taking you through to bring the shine out of you? On every given day and any time, he's doing that. He's doing that. Those tough things, those tough times, we must face as he readies us for more. So, so many times God asks him to stretch. So many times we go to God asking him to stretch us. We press him to expand our capacity. And yes, the Holy Spirit helps our inadequacies. But what, I've, what we forget is the essential importance of the me and more. We tend to forget the importance of the M-E position in the M-O-R-E. We want God to give us more, but we forget that to get more, he's got to deal with me. Check out this centurion. Lord, don't come, don't come, don't come. Just send your word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, I have soldiers under me, and I say go, they go, and I say come, and they come. I have a servant, I say come, and, and, and he does whatever I tell him to do. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are a partaker of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On other parts, he's blasphemed. On their part, he's blasphemed. But on your part, he's glorified. Stretch, 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 stretch. Do you think it was a stretching? See, he sees God. He heard about, about Jesus. And, 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 and he could have just, okay, I believe, I heard the voice, and I believe. But he did more than that. Based on what he knew to be true in his own life, this man's got sense. Christians today are operating quite often without sensibility. He says, Sister Judy, you know what? I hear what he did. I believe he can do it. But on the other hand, I'm just but a captain. And when I tell people on the me come, they come. When I tell them go, they go. When I tell my servant come, he comes. When I tell him to go do that, he does it. If I'm human 
and I've got people under me that listen to me whenever I say what to do, how to do, when to do. And I consider this man to be Lord and bigger than me. Then surely he don't have to come. He stretched. He stretched. He used not just what he heard, but what he's seen in his own life. Is there something that God has done for you in your own life? In your own life, you sit down and you look back. That's why we talked about documentation before in a previous message. Because when you sit down and you look back on what God did for you, that is what causes you to commit to the stretch. If you have a history, a documentation of stuff God has taken you through, then you can say like David, if God gave me strength to kill a lion and a bear, then for sure God can give me your head. And he will. Are you ready for more this morning as we close out? Hallelujah. You're looking at this message online, and the question is going out to you. Are you ready for more? Are you ready for more? If the answer is yes, then the question is how ready are you? And God is going to take you into some things that you, your flesh don't want it. Oh, people are going to, the minute you commit to saying, God, I'm ready for more, when he says, how ready are you? and he shows you what you need to get ready, you start making those changes, the pressure's gonna come, but God is saying to you, I've got your back. I've got your back this morning. I've got your back this morning. I've got your back this morning. I've got your back. Father, I thank you for your word that has gone out. Oh, Sheila Buru. In the name of Jesus, Father, we shake off the shackles. Shake them off this morning. We shake off anything that keeps us out of your will, keeps us bound, keeps us from, from even asking for more. We shake them off. We apply your blood to our lives this morning. Hallelujah. If you're watching me online, and you need God to come in. You need God to come in. You need God to come in. You need his help. You can't make the changes without his help. I'm asking you to pray with me. I'm asking you to pray with me. And after we pray, we get offline. I'm asking you to send us a prayer request. Send us a name, a number that we can call, somebody can call and pray with you. Because we are absolutely interested in God's movement in your life. Say after me, dear Jesus, I come to you with all of my mess, acknowledging my sin, acknowledging my every iniquity. I cannot make it without you. I cannot wash myself clean. I ask you, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me of my unrighteousness. 
and make me whole. I thank you for your blood that is washing me from head to toe today, right now. I give myself to you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? Give myself away. Oh, give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. As we close, would you just put that right hand up? Oh, give myself away so you can use me. Father, as we leave this place of worship, we invite you to come sup with us. Come sup with us. Hang out with us. Speak to us. Lead us, guide us into truth. At this time, when everything is in chaos, we need the stability of your presence in our lives. Sanctify, wash us, and keep us in the straight and narrow, Lord. We give you glory and honor and praise for today. Cover us, take us safely to our homes. Bring us back together for Bible study on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you online. God bless you. All of you awesome folks. It's good to see you. Got a good size auditorium with so many of you. You're coming back home to us. We love you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. See you on Wednesday. God bless you. God bless you online. Thank you, Jesus.